Imagine a critter that can catch and eat an animal 50 times its size. This frightening killer can swim underwater with the aid of a snorkel and fly through the air with two sets of wings. Pound for pound, it's perhaps the most formidable predator on the face of the earth. We will be talking about this scary creature in today's episode of the FVCC Nature Journal. Hi, and welcome to the FVCC Nature Journal, the podcast for everyone who loves nature. We're coming to you from the beautiful campus of Flathead Valley Community College at the foot of the Swan Mountain Range of Northwest Montana. I'm John Fraley, longtime instructor in wildlife conservation here at the college, and I also served 40 years with Montana Fish, Wildlife, and Parks. In the Nature Journal, we focus on critters and quirks of nature found on the campus, the wide surrounding Flathead Basin, and all across Montana. Our producer is Colin Burkhart, employee here at the FVCC Library. And thanks to Morgan Ray, the library director, for offering the library as our podcast home. Well, today we'll explore the world of the predaceous giant water bug. This is the largest aquatic insect in Montana. And Colin, you were asking me, you were kind of surprised at how big it was. Yeah, it's like <laughs> inch, inch and a half long. No, it's four and a half inches long. Four and a half. Oh, yeah, yeah. Those pictures were not to the scale I thought they were. Yeah, and so this bug is the largest aquatic insect in Montana, and it's also called toe biter. Do you know why? Well, I assume because they can go and get your toes. That's huh? right. They have these raptorial forelegs. They can grab your toe and your finger is what I've seen mostly and pull it in and then pierce you with this piercing beak. So they're, they're quite, a, quite a formidable predator. And some people also call them giant electric light bugs because they'll come and focus on a light if there's light. They're like other insects at night. You know, like come, a moth. Yeah, they're just drawn to a light. And so they're called that also. And believe it or not, as we mentioned, they can attack humans. Like a lot of times when I'm working with kids in my career, I worked a lot with kids and aquatic insects and so on. And they'd say, is there anything that can bite here? And I'd have to say, yeah, there's a couple things that can bite, <laughs> including the giant water bug. If it's a warm, kind of a, a silty stream, they aren't going to be in high mountain streams or anything like that. So the adult measures about four inches long and looks like a big elongated beetle, really. But in reality, it's not a beetle. It's a true bug. Because you thought when you looked at it, it was a beetle, right? Yeah. I mean, it looks like a beetle. It has the, uh, what do you call it, mandibles or pincers, kind of yeah. like some beetles do. Mm -hmm. But uh, apparently, there's a difference between a beetle and a true and a true bug. It's called a true bug. It's it's the order Hemiptera. And it's called Hemiptera because it has a hemilitra. A beetle has a completely hardened shell over its back. And it can lift that up and fly. A lot of people don't know that. So these things don't fly. These things fly. Oh, yeah. They're good <laughs> flyers. But they have that half a litre. That's why they're called hemalitra or hemiptera. Oh, I see. Where it's leathery in the back and so they're little solid up front. Wings function differently. A little differently. Um, and that's, that's one difference between a beetle and a true bug. The other thing about a true bug is it has this piercing beak. It doesn't chew. It pierces. And beetles have a completely hardened shell, as I said. And they have chewing mouth parts. And again, it's, it's important to note, if you see one, that the beetle will have completely hard back, you know, covering of the wings. And this hemiptera or hemalitra on the shrew bug is, is part leathery. And they have a flattened, ovoid, elongate body. So it's kind of, it's not as roundish as a beetle. It's, it's that more, was the difference I was noticing. Yeah, it's more elongate. And usually and the legs like are flattened. Go ahead, bud. They're more like an oval. Yeah, more like an oval, exactly. The legs are flattened, and the head features two large compound eyes. 
and short antenna are tucked in grooves behind the eyes. So if you look right into the face of a, of a giant water bug, it's pretty scary. And they're pretty big, too. They are in the family Bellostomatidae, which is a member of the true bug order Hemiptera, as we said. And all true bugs have this piercing, sucking mouth part. The genus in Montana is Lethocerus americanus. Now, this is a, insects have two different life cycles. You know, like a butterfly goes from an egg to a, a larva, and then to what? So it's pupa, caterpillar, then butterfly? Well, it goes, it goes egg, caterpillar, pupa, it pupates, and then it emerges as a butterfly. Okay. So that's called the complete metamorphosis. Whereas with a true bug and a lot of other insects, they have an incomplete metamorphosis. So the, hmm. the bellostoma, it actually has nymphs. And they look like many little versions of the adult, and they go through five stages of growth, and then they become an adult. So they have that simple metamorphosis. There's no pupation and rest stage like that in true bugs. So they, like most things, they sort of just, they have a smaller version, and they, then they grow. They don't evolve from one type of creature to another. Like, they, they, like a pupae, where yeah. they're totally different. No, they're very similar, and they're called instars. The, the different sizes are called instars. All insects have instars that have the, have the simple metamorphosis. The size category of its age. It just gets a little bigger each time, and it goes through five of those stages, and it become, finally becomes an adult. So that's what, the, what happens with this giant water bug. But not much else changes, like it's able to fly as soon as it's hatched and all of that? No, that's a good point. It, do, it doesn't have flight until its last instar when it's an adult. Mm, okay. And it takes about two months to go through that to reach adulthood. And that, that's what we call simple metamorphosis, so egg to nymph to adult, and there's no pupil stage. And adults live about a year. Are these things rather competitive? Do they tend to fight each other for t- territory, or is this not a type of thing that these bugs will do? You know, that's a good question. I really don't know. And I've collected them for 30, 40 years. Really? I, don't, I mean, you, they're, they're not very common. You don't see lots of them because mm-hmm. they're big. And, they, you know, the way they fit into the ecosystem is they're a big top-line predator for an so insect. So you won't see more than a few water bugs in one area. No. They, won't, they won't sort of share their, uh, quote-unquote, hunting ground, I guess. You know, that's a great question because I never really thought about it that way. But you don't find very many of them in one place. Now, mm-hmm. you can find a lot of little instars sometimes. They're not all that easy to find either. But the adults usually yeah. just, oh, I got one, you know, because you're trying to catch these insects. Like my whole career, I would catch insects in the spring to take to the forestry expo or take in the classroom and show kids the different different insects. And, and if you got a giant water bug, you got a trophy, you know, because mm-hmm. <laughs> I remember when we're out collecting, if a kid gets one, I'd give him a prize or something. <laughs> there's just not that very many of them in, in, a, in, in one particular place. Okay. And I don't know if that's territorial or it's just naturally low density. You know? oh, they're just uh, kind of elusive then. Yeah, they're very elusive. They're hard to find <laughs> in general. Although sometimes they'll just, I remember one time I was walking across to Snappy Sports Center parking lot, taking kids fishing in Snappy's Pond. And one of them just flew right over the fence and just landed on the cement right by us. And this kid crushed it with his foot. And I said, no, you don't have to kill it. It's not going to hurt you unless you pick it up. <laughs> but anyway, they can be in parking lots too. You know, Just here in town. Yeah, because right, they fly all over the place. They can fly. People don't realize that they can fly. I thought they'd be closer to the water. Well, Snappy's Pond, you got Snappy's oh, Pond there, right. and you got the Stillwater River, and you know, there's, they can sure. fly away from you know water sources. So adults overwinter then in the muddy streams or lake bottoms, and the largest specimen of these bugs can exceed four and a half inches. That's a pretty big bug. And they are, like you said, over oval-shaped more than round-shaped. Mm-hmm. And these pincher-like front appendages. So all insects have three sets of legs, two sets of wings, and a head, thorax, and abdomen. Their forelegs are called raptorial forelegs, and they're just nasty. They'll grab and pull in and then pierce. And I've had them do that a lot. When you're holding it, if you don't hold them right, they'll grab your finger and try to pull, pull your finger in and pierce it. So 
That's what they use to capture and hold their prey. You ever been uh, you ever been pierced by one? With I've a... never had a problem with it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad, <laughs> but I've had been holding them, having pulled my hand in, and I you know pull it back real quick, <laughs> uh, put my finger in. So they capture and they hold prey with them, and then their rear legs are flattened, and they have these tiny hairs or cilia that help propel them through the water. So they're a very fast swimmer, and then very fascinating with them. They have a breathing tube that extends from their rear area like a snorkel. They pull it in, they push it out. It's it's like an inch and a half long. And they can go diving. Yeah, they look just like a. It looks just like a snorkel. So they can breathe through spiracles in the air, of course, when they're flying around ground, uh, ground. And then when they're going through the water, they have the snorkel. They can stick up there and and breathe through that. So it's pretty amazing. I don't. I can't think of another animal that has. You know, that's true. I can't think of another insect that has a breathing snorkel that I know of, and all the insects that, that I've been familiar with. So like I said, the front legs are wicked, and they're known as raptorial forelegs. It's very painful bite. Now, they're pretty low on the food chain, but this bug turns the tables and makes meals out of other animals like fish and amphibians even. Scientists have captured video footage of a ferocious water bug ambushing a small fish and eating it from the inside out. Like a little, like a little sardine or just a baby? Or? Yeah, about that size. But, you know, they can pierce it with that beak and then inject this, this venom. This, this, oh, they the, do have poison. Yeah, they, it's, a, it's a kind of a venom that dissolves the tissues of the prey, and then they suck that in. And like other true insects, this giant water bug has three sets of legs, as I said, two sets of wings. The male carries its eggs on its back. Here's a picture one you can see here that has probably yeah. 100 eggs on its back, and it, it tends the eggs until they hatch. Female produces an average of about 100. And it can eat crawfish, small fish, whatever it can grab, and it can suck the nutrients out with its piercing beak. So it's... It's a situation where it'll just try to eat. It's an ambush predator, mm-hmm. and it'll try to eat pretty much anything that goes by. If it's a human, they'll try to bite its toe, you know, and think it can take its foot <laughs> if it's in the water. But it, there's, a, there's an old, uh, in 1923, there was a description in this old journal about one of them killing a pretty good-sized fish. It laid on top of the water and kind of lured the fish over, and then when the fish went up to it, it pierced it with its beak and started, you know, struggling. Gosh, and How strong is this venom they have? Is it... Does it affect in any way if you were if a human gets for a human? Yeah, I don't know about that. I I've never heard of it affecting a human. Does but it just make you sick, or is it, just it could. I guess if well? it if it beat in the neck or something. But mm-hmm. generally, it's a it, they use it as I said to dissolve the body tissues of, of smaller animals, and then they suck it in. And there's it can t- keep air bubbles under its wings too, and it uses that for ballast when it swims, you know, up and down. Wow. And it can use it for respiration too. They are kind of like a little little, little submarine. They're, they're they're like a, yeah they're they're very they're very formidable. There's no doubt about it. And they're big enough to capture, as I said, and devour small fish and amphibians. They've seen them get tadpoles, frogs, and there's even been a few reports of them eating turtles and snakes. Now that may be the turtle may already have been dead when it snake went that over. surprises me. Yeah, well, like snakes can snake. be pretty small though. You look at those water snakes, and they can be pretty small. So I assume those are the ones they're talking about. And that that caustic digestive saliva is what they inject into their prey. And it liquefies that meal from the inside before they suck it out. This giant water bug, by the way, when it catches and kills a larger animal, it's eating an animal almost 50 times its size. It'd be like a person eating and killing an elephant. <laughs> so that's how. So I say they're the most formidable predator on the face of the earth, pound for pound. And so the next time you wade barefoot in a pond or in a stream or a lake, keep an eye out for the GWB. That's what we call them in the field, the giant water bug. Because it may be lurking close by and ready to pounce on you, Colin. <laughs> so be careful. I keep that one in mind. All right. Well, that's all the time we have for this episode of the Nature Journal. Thanks for joining us. I'm John Fraley, and I'll see you next week.